0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible. You take your Bible this morning and turn to Mark chapter 10. Here's the discourse. I'll tell you this. has been a blessing.
1: About a young
0: man, but how sad, how tragic. He's a mad young man that turned his back on Jesus. And any man that turns his back on Jesus is in trouble. Whether he be young or whether he be old. I'd have you to stand for the reverencing of the reading of the word of God, if you will. I'm going to begin reading with verse 17. Jesus had just finished blessing little children. Little children, he blessed them. Then he comes. Verse seventeen said, And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running, and he went to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said, master all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him loved him. Well, I always love that. It tells about Jesus' us. I'm glad he loved me when I was unlovable. I'm glad he still loves me. Praise the Lord. And his love is an everlasting love. And so the Bible said Jesus loved him. Now notice, as we continue to read here, in this chapter, the scripture says, and uh, he said, I've served thee. And he said, and he sat at that same, and went away, grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, I lost my pay, so I'm going back and start with it. verse 20. And he answered and said unto him, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus behold he loved him, and said unto him, One thing, one thing thou likest, Go thy ways, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have, have pleasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. I want you to see the picture here. He turned his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went away sadly. No man can turn away from Jesus and be happy. But I'll tell you, every person that turns to Jesus is always happy. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And what a blessing it is. But here's a young man that turned his back on Jesus. And in just a moment, I'm going to speak to you about that. But I want you to be seated all over the house if you will. Heavenly father, I want to thank you for this conference. I want to thank you for the men of God that have stood and will stand and proclaim the wonderful word of God. I thank you for Brother Steve and Brother Bobby and all the co-workers that make it possible. And Lord, out of this great group of young people, may there be missionaries and preachers that will stand in these days and days to come for our lord i thank you for everyone that's here i pray that you'll now speak to our hearts and all that you do will praise you because we ask it in jesus name amen and amen beloved i want you to look this way and for a few moments i want to speak to you about a young man that turned away from jesus By way of introduction i want you to see three things First of all, he came to the right person. I like that. You know, a lot of people think going to churches, Brother Craig spoke about being baptized. But this young man came to the right person. Oh, oh, wonderful day. When I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I went to the right person. And then secondly, he asked the right question. He said, I want to ask you something. How can I live forever? I think men and women ought to want to live forever. This world is not my home, I'm a pilgrim here, I'll live forever. While the ages roll, if you're saved, you'll live forever. Not only did he ask the right question, but he got the right answer. The Lord Jesus looked him in the face and said, I want you to go and sell what you have and give to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. But he was grieved. He was greedy. And he would not receive what Christ sent for him to do. And if you have your pencils this morning, I want you to do got down three things. First of all, what this young man had. He had something that was uh, commendable. He had something wonderful. And then I want you to see what he was offered. And thirdly, I want you to see what he missed. When he turned away from Jesus, he missed everything. But notice what he had. You say, preacher, what this young man had. He had most of his life before him. Young people, think about it. This was a young man. Jesus says that priest, for again is the lifespan. span. If that be the case, this young man had many years before him. Oh, he had many, many days. When you get as old as I am, you look back and you say, I wish I'd have done more. I wish I'd have spent my time and so many and prayer and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had most of his life before him, and that's what he was offered, Oh, what he had. Secondly, he had morals. He had never been a prodigal. He had never been with the pigs down in the hog pens. He'd never sniffed that. He'd never had anything stuck in his arms. Mister, he said all these commandments, and by the way, if you look at those commandments, not one pertained to God. Every one of those pertained to man's relationship. And he said you'll not commit adultery, you'll not steal, you'll not lie, and you'll not kill, and you'll honor, and your father and your mother. Oh, when he said that, this man said, "But all these things have I observed." Now that wasn't hope. You see, man is not saved but what he does or what he doesn't do. He saves. He's saved because he trusts the Lord Jesus. And here's a young man uh, that was offered. He had these things: life before him, many days to live, and what a blessing to have a life that you can give, and a life that you can invest, and a life that you can make count for the church and God, and for the Lord Jesus. And then he had the third thing, and boy, this really would make some of you happy. He had money. He had money. The Bible said he was rich, and that was commendable, but riches will not save you. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met have been rich people. Didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what the Bible said. And he was a rich man, and he came to the Lord Jesus. But he wasn't willing to give up those riches and take up a cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's sad that young people may think, oh, I've got money I'm glad you have it, but it will not make you happy. Notice that first thing. It will not make you happy. Happiness is not found in mammoth, or money. Oh, happiness is not found in your pocketbook and how much you have in the bank. Listen to me. Some of the most miserable people in the world are wealthy people. Money will not buy happiness. Number two, money will not buy hell. I'd give you thing in the world if I get this arthritis out of my knees. If I had to go to the bank and borrow and borrow. But, you know, hell... When it's gone or when well, you can't buy help, some of the richest people around this country will travel over the world to find these healing springs, and they go to try to find help with their health. And then thirdly, uh, money won't buy a home in heaven. You can own a mansion down here, you can have the riches of this world, but money will not buy you a home in heaven. Last night they were talking, singing about I've got a mansion over the hilltop and you do jesus said i go to prepare a place for you and if i go i'll come again that where i am there you shall be also that's a blessed thing to know that you, you you'll have a home in heaven the picture, young man listen to me he had all of these things in money and morals and in much of his life before him, but he made a drastic mistake when he came. When Jesus came up to him, he ran. You don't find many people today running to Jesus. He knelt down. He was sincere, and he asked. But he went away sadly. Now, notice that's what he had, but that didn't make him happy. That didn't bring him life. That didn't satisfy his soul. So, the second thing I want you to see what he was offered. You say, what was he offered? He was offered a choice. Thank God I'm glad I made the right choice one day. I came to the forks of the road like Moses, and Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Years ago I was in Indianapolis in a meeting. And the social pastor said, would you like to go out to the 500 track? I said, yes, while I'm here, I'd like to r- just ride out there. I said, most preachers could win every one of those races if they let preachers in there. They got heavy feet. Say, amen. I remember one time I stopped in Shelby. I was coming to the meeting. And I uh, the plane down in Greenville. The uh, landing gear stuff, And I had to drive to High Point. Man, I bypassed this, uh, Shelby just about 85 or 9, and I looked back and saw that k Mark sign, the little thing cutting on. I said, oh, oh, they got me. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? He said, I didn't get you in it. I ain't going to get you out of it. So I pulled over, and the man came over, and he said, are you in a hurry? I said, yes, sir, I'm in a hurry. I have a revival meeting. He said, you thought you had a revival meeting. He's, I said, well, what's wrong? He said, the I said, can't you see that sign? It said bypass. He said, yeah, but it didn't say flypass for Jackson. And brother, he gave me a working over. I was up there, and I went down, and I looked at the beautiful racetrack there in Indianapolis. And the sociopath, said, I oh, not you to see something. Mays, I don't want you ever forget this. He took me to the cemetery. I don't like cemeteries. I don't like dead things. Praise God, I like live things. I don't like dead services. I don't like dead singing. I don't like dead preaching. Boy, I like to get in something. And God squeezes your heart juice runs out your eyes, and heaven comes down. And you know you've been in the presence of the Lord. But he took me to the cemetery, and it had been snowing up there in the winter. And uh, they were trying to bank the snow up. And he said, you're going to have to walk up to your knees in snow. But I want you to see something you'll never forget. And we went over to a grave. And he said, before I tell you about the man that's been in that grave, let me tell you about his life. When he was nine years old, he went to church here in Indianapolis. He didn't know how to behave. He didn't know how to act in church. And a deacon walked up to him and said, If that's the best you can do, young man, don't you ever come back in this church. The little fellow looked up nine-year-old boy and said, Mister, you don't have to worry about that. That's the way you feel. I'll never come back. And he never entered the house of God again until they had the funeral for him. In Chicago, the FBI shot him down. And when they shot him down coming out of a theater, they said John Dillinger had the greatest brain of any criminal that ever chased. And they said, what a, what a mishap that he'd give that to crime and to murder and to robbery. And I stood there and that man said, there's the brave of John Dillinger. They asked him to leave the church because he didn't know how to behave in the house of God. said, Br- Brother Mace, had never been. He went one time, and they asked him to stay away. And I looked at that grave, and I said, Lord, I'm glad I started this Sunday school as a little boy. I heard about Jesus, and I got under good old-fashioned preaching. And I said, what a blessing it was. And I looked at that grave and walked away, and never have forgotten it. I said, think what he could have been. John Dillinger could have been a grave man, if you'd used his mind and given his heart to Christ, you would have been a great hero in these days. Now you look down upon his grave in shame. Oh, what a sad thing. Here's a young man that had everything, you'd think. But, mister, he turned his back on Jesus. But he had something that was offered. He was offered a choice to follow Jesus. Take up a cross and follow him. Now listen, young people, the cross has never been popular. And And when you go out of this conference and you carry the cross back home, they won't understand. They'll call you a redneck and they'll call you every kind of name. But you remember this, the old rugged cross made the difference. Praise God, it's the dear brother priest last night. It's the cross and the blood that makes the difference. What a blessing that is. What a tremendous thing that is. It's offered a choice. Secondly, he was offered a cross. And then thirdly, he was offered a crown, treasure in heaven. I've been to the Holy Land, and I will not go into that. Uh, but you hear me, I used to go with a young man, pastor in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And every time we'd get off of a ship or out of an airplane, I'd say, Paul, sing your song you wrote. And Paul O'Neill would start singing, They can't crown Jesus till we all get there. Boy, he stood up there at Calvary. When we got to Calvary, he sang, there in a land far away. Will be a great coronation day, but they can't crown Jesus till we all get there. What a blessing that is. There will be a coronation day. We'll cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. And boy, I'll tell you, he missed the the blessing of treasure in heaven. He missed it. He was offered reward and treasure and a crown, but he turned his back on it. And so let's come to the last thing. What he missed... You say, preacher, what did that young man miss when he turned his back on Jesus? He missed the joy of being saved. Now, I know you can't be saved but once, but if I could, I'd get saved over again this morning. It was so good the first time I got saved, I want to tell you I'd get saved all, all over again. Why, when Brother Craig was a preacher a while ago, I said, Lord, if I wasn't saved, I'd hit that altar. And I'd be sure my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The joy of being saved. I wasn't saved in the church. I wasn't saved by somebody giving me a tract. I was saved because my mother prayed for me. And I went down to North Carolina State University, what was called, yes, State College, Hillsborough Street in Raleigh. In fact, I was in a meeting last week at Wake Forest, North Carolina. And uh, I thought about just 15 miles down the road, I saved. I saved taking final exams in the second year. Never will forget I got I got under such a burden. Sin had just caused me to I uh, have to have the greatest heaviness and the wrath of God seemed like it was going to be poured out on me and I, I said to the Lord I'm going to get saved. I went to the Methodist church and his cold as a milkshake. Eh? If you'd let a milk cow down the house, she'd be given potsic before she got to the altar. I went to the Baptist church and it was worse where I went. I mean it was pitiful. I even went to the Catholic church where they said Milwaukee, Chicago and St. Louis. And I did that and it didn't do me any good. But on a Friday night, I was in C number room eight thirteen, off the of Hillsborough Street, North Carolina State University. Never will forget Tommy Dorsey was there with his trombone and it was gonna be in a graduation dance. And he pulled up that uh, trombone and was blowing the spittle out of it to get ready to go on air. And uh, I looked down there and God said, You don't want watch down there in that dance. And I said, But I'm going down there. I, I, I can dance a little and I'll get this burden off of me. I'll forget all about this. But boy, I couldn't go down there. I mean, every minute it seemed like heavier, heavier. That load became. You know what happened? I knelt right on my knees. And I said, Lord, I'm the biggest sinner in North Carolina. And if you'll save me, I'll live for you, Jesus. Felt like that piano went off of my back. I jumped up, shouted a couple of times. Ran down the hall, met my roommate. He said, what's wrong? I said, it's not what's wrong, it's what's right. I said, I just got saved. I went across the hills, first Street, the little college uh, campus thing they had there. And I went in first. I went to the post office, and my mother had written, and I said, boy, I'd like the mother to know about it. Then I went into the little coffee shop, and they were jerking coats. You know, they don't jerk them now. You know, they got a distiller, and they just put a little ice in it, and that's all it is. Those days, they put ice and put syrup in it, carbonated in water, and then they started and gave it to you. I went in, and the boy had five up in his hands, and he started away. And he said, hey, Jack, I said, hey, how you doing? boy he said fine he said how come you're not at the dance i said bless god i just got saved he said oh, not to drop tall five of those folks and i said praise god i got saved that i went in and called my mother she lived in hendersonville oh i was so excited i got the nickel out it cost you a quarter now they won't even answer you and i got that nickel out stuck that nickel in and the lady said, "And I hope you? And I said, praise the Lord. She said, excuse me. And I said, yes, you can. Ring Hendersonville, North Carolina, 7195. She said, just a moment. I said, you better hurry. There's going to be some shouting on the hills over there. When Mother picks up that phone, I heard the operator say, Asheville. And the lady said, ring Hendersonville, please, 7195. It rang once. It rang twice, and just as it started to ring the third time, my mother said, Hello? And I said, Hello, Mother! And the operator said, just a moment, 80 cents. I said, excuse me. And I was just like a chicken eating corn. And when I got it in, uh, the lady said, go ahead. My mother said, son, are you sick? I said, no, you spelled it wrong. I A B S-A-D-E-D. You say, what happened? She hung up. But I heard her shout over 100 miles. Praise God. I want to tell you, you talk about joy. You talk about something of ecstasy. My heart was running over with joy and I'm still rejoicing over salvation and what the Lord can do and what He wants to do. That's the joy. That's the joy. And young man miss the joy me say, secondly, you miss the joy of serving the Lord. You miss the joy. Listen, they'll tell you it's a, dre- it's a life of drudgery. It's a life that's just dead. But I want to tell you, you'll never know what life is until you're living. And Paul said, for me, though he was Christ, that, that life that you now live, it's a wonderful thing. Now, my son is my pastor, but my baby boy is, was well, even real brilliant. I mean, he really is. He, he's got an IQ, and i got an XYZ, I think, but he got an IQ. It's so way up yonder. And I remember he said to me, he said, anything I set my head to do, I'll do it. For instance, we've got a big station in Linus, a talk station. And it's called Ring. It's six eighty, fifty thousand 50,000 watts. And they had a man on the morning news. That's all it was, a news station. My baby boy said, I'm going down and get that man's job. I said, damn, you can't go down there and get that man's job. I said, by the way, you need to serve God more than you need to go down and be the morning man on radio. But you know what he said? I'm going to do it. And he did it. And I listened to him. And I thought about them. that's not what God wants you to do. Then he came home. And he said, Daddy, I'm going to Memphis. To, and I'm going to Graceland Mansion. And I'm going to witness to Elvis. Well, I said, David, you can't get in. He said, how do you know I can't get in? I said, they have gardens everywhere. Boy, you know what? He went up there, went in Elvis' beautiful mansion, and Mansion, stayed a week with him, wrote an article on him, came back to Atlanta. He said, Daddy, you know what that man said? He said, it's too much to give up. And he said, I've served the young people of America with rock and roll these years. Mr. Jackson, I can't give it up. I've got to be what I am. He said, I built a church in the name of my mother and gave it to the congregation. He said, I love gospel singing. He said, there's a lot of things you don't know. And he said, I've heard your daddy preach on the radio here in Memphis. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not ready to serve the Lord. I was in Danville, Virginia when Elvis died. And when I walked into the lobby, I saw it there on the television screen. The king is dead. I said, their king may be dead, but mine's not even feeling bad. Say, amen. I want to tell you the king is alive, and he will be alive. And I said to him, Dale, you see what happened? He served the God of this world, and he wasn't happy in all of that. He wasn't happy. He told my son, he said, I, I'm not happy. He said, I can't go down here to the drugstore and buy Coca-Cola. I have to put on big glasses and go in disguise. He said, that's not only way to live. Dale said, I told him, son, I want you to know there's a life that's far above anything in this world. And people, there is a life. It's the life of Christ. It's living what Jesus said he would It's following him, but this young man turned away. Then the last thing I want you to see, not only did he miss salvation, the joy, and then he missed the joy of serving the Lord, but he missed the joy. I've seen Jesus. i yonder one day to live with him forever. Oh, let me tell you something, young people. We're going to live forever. We've got to And we're going to live in a place where there's no sin. And there's no hearty. And there's no suffering. And down in the Atlanta, Georgia, where I live, we've been broken into five times. It's a strange feeling to go into your house and somebody's it and thrown things over the floor. And I said the last time to my wife, I said, you know something, honey, we're going to home where there'll be no crime, there'll be no sin, and there'll be no separation. I said, we're going to a place where we'll enjoy the utopia of God forever and forever and forever. Oh, he missed that. You see, he went away. The Bible doesn't say he ever came back. He went to hell. And Mister, he'll be there for all eternity, begging for water. He'll never be, be able to look upon the face of the Lord Jesus. What a sad thing! Years ago, while I was in Atlanta, I got a telephone call, and Miss Bowman, who's been with us for thirty-one years in the office, said, Mays, I know, brother Mace, I know you're busy, but there's a, a fine family moved in next to us about two months ago." And they have a little girl. She's 11 years old and she's got lechidia. And she said, she wants to live. She hears your broadcast. And I told her if you'd run by there before you go on an airplane tomorrow. And I said, I sure will. I went over there and I never will forget. I pulled up from that house. I went up and rang the doorbell. And her mother came to the door and said, you must be Brother Mays. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, bever has been waiting on you. And I went into the bedroom, and she had a little wig on, her hair all come out. And she told me, she said, "Brother Mays, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven." I said, "Beverly, you can't go without being saved." That was strange to her. She had been in Sunday school, she had been to church, but when I started talking to her about personal salvation, knowing she so that she didn't know, and I got out and prayed with her. And I got through praying. I said, "I have to go to the airport now." I'll see you next week, the Lord with it. And as I left little Beverly, I got back next Sunday, got off the airplane, Doc said, Beverly's out at Emory. She's having convulsions. She ain't going to live long. She said she's been with this telling people that she needs to be saved. And I said, don't start home now. Turn toward Emory University. I want to see Beverly. I went down the hall and ran into her doctor. I said, how do you do, sir? My name's May Saxon. He said, how do you do? And he told me his name. Oh, I said, that sounds Jewish. Oh, he said, yes, I'm a, a Jew, but I'm Beverly's doctor. And he said, are you that shouting preacher? Well, I said, how does the Jews know I shout? He said, if, if you shout as much as you do, they'll find it out after a while. Even the Jews will find out that you're an old-time Christian. And I said, can I see Beverly? He said, yes, you can. You can ask beverly anything she's not going to be here long. i went in there she's lying there i looked down i said hi Beverly, this oh she said i didn't hear your broadcast yesterday she said brother mays will you pray god that he'll be she said i don't want to die but i don't know that i'm a christian and boy i got down i took the bible and i tried to explain to her and i prayed and she said i hear you're going to be preaching Sunday night in Haven that's the church just one mile from where I live. I said, that's right. I'm going to get off the airplane Sunday afternoon. I'll be preaching there. She said, I've asked the doctor that I come. And he said, sure. I'll be glad to excuse you from this hospital. I want to go to church. Boy, I went in this outdoor that night. I assisted Ray to preach. And I looked out, and Miss Bowman and my wife had brought that little girl. She was sitting on a pillow. She was laying on a pillow. And when I got through preaching, they picked her up and brought her down to the altar. That little girl got saved. Boy, she was rejoicing. She wanted everybody to know. She said, don't wait like I did. Said, I'm just about leaving this world. But I know where I'm going. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I know that I'm saved, Brother Nays. One week later, I preached her funeral. Oh, what a happy memorial service that was. I said to her mother, she won't have leukemia anymore. The next time you see her, she'll have hair, she'll have every feature. She'll be that beautiful little girl before leukemia." Ain't her alive. That mother would raise her hand and say, thank you, Brother Mays. I'm glad you told me I'd see her again. And boy... For time and time again, I'd drive by that home and speak to uh, Beverly's mother and dad. and You know what they put in their living room? A picture of heaven. And they had her picture right in the middle of it. When I'd go in there and look up at that picture, I'd say, boy, that's before she got sick. He said, i her. Daddy said, Brother Mays, so I want to tell you something. Next time we see Beverly, she'll be in heaven with Jesus She won't be sick. She won't have any heartache. Brother Mays, we'll see her again. I want you to know, mister, the joy of seeing one another in heaven. I'll meet you in heaven if I never see you again in this world. If you're saved, I'll meet you in heaven. If you know the Lord, I'll meet you in heaven. I'm glad I didn't turn away from Jesus. Here's a young man that turned away, walked away from the Son of God. What a tragic and Fatal mistake it was. He turned away from Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.